What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Welcome to episode 112 of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, I'm going to speak with Sophia Wang, the co-founder of MyCoWorks, on disrupting the fashion industry by creating a biomaterials company that has developed natural alternatives to leather and plastic using mushroom mycelium technology. I know that sounds like a lot, maybe a bit of a mouthful, but Sophia actually explains it really, really well. And we go through a lot of, you know, her journey and her just discovery of mycelium and sort of what it can do for the materials industry and, and specifically the fashion industry with their, which they're focused on right now heavily. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and hope you enjoy the episode and we'll talk soon. Thanks. Well, thanks, Sophia, for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk about everything you've you've done up to this point. And I think what the future holds for, for you and the company is really, really quite exciting. But I wanted to touch on something a little bit about your journey and and that how does a person who has a PhD in English specializing in 20th century and 21st century experimental American poetry start a biotech fashion company? (laughs) It's a great question. (laughs) Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. I would say that the genesis for all this really is the magical intersection of art and science. So I um, grew up in a household to research scientists. Both my parents are research scientists mm. in biology, um, molecular cell biology and biochemistry. So I grew up thinking about the world is living biological systems and, and how things within the body and on a macro level are grown and made. And I was also trained as an artist, as a visual artist and a writer. So always thinking across worlds, but also thinking about concepts that are portable and how um, storytelling and narratives really help us see the world. And fast forward to my mm-hmm. young adult years, I'm doing my PhD in English at UC Berkeley. And I'm also starting a dance company. Um, I'm a dancer, so I'm, I have an eclectic foundation. Anyway, I'm an, I'm an artist in academia, and I'm thinking I'd like to professionalize in the art world because I see myself going in that direction more mm-hmm. than into academia. So I decided um, to take a art internship with a local artist that I'd met here in the Bay Area named Phil Ross. And Phil is an artist who's been working with living materials as an art medium for as long as his practice. I mean, you know, the the 80s, 90s, when he Mm -hmm. started making work. And it was around 2007. And I joined him as an artist assistant. He was working on an exhibit on the history of bioreactors, seen through the uh, lens of culture and art and uh, design. And so bioreactors interpreted broadly, like everything from a Petri dish to an actual bioreactor where you're growing muscle uh, mm. cell tissue or an amphora where you're fermenting wine. Mm-hmm. So any contained uh, designed environment where you can control the environment to grow a living thing. So we worked together on this exhibit here in San Francisco, California, and it was a great working relationship. And it was also my first exposure to Phil's art practice, which entailed working with mycelium as a material for art and design. Mm -hmm. And mycelium, this is where I usually pause. And so what is mycelium? Yes, what is (laughs) Yeah, so um, mycelium 
is commonly understood as the root structure of mushrooms. So you can think of it yeah. as the interwoven cellular network that forms the body of the organism that will grow mushrooms, of fungi. So mm -hmm. a, a good analogy from the plant world is the mycelium is like the roots and branches and stems of an organism, and mushrooms are more like the fruit of an organism. Gotcha. Okay. So you typically find it underground, under the forest floor, in rotting logs. And I, of course, knew mushrooms as a thing in the world. Uh, sure. And, but I had never heard of mycelium, had never seen it, and or had never known to look for it. And Phil's artworks were demonstrating all the amazing textures and form and shapes and hmm. pliability that mycelium could express. Um, he was making art objects and sculptures and architectural uh, structures and blocks and bricks. And it was just remarkable. It, mm. it was, you know, when you encounter something new in the world that is natural and all around you, it, it opens up the world in a new way. And so it was a very rich working relationship. We, we did this uh, show together and then um, went our separate ways. I went to go finish my PhD in English and continued pushing forward my dance practice. And <laughs> Phil continued making and exhibiting mycelium-based artworks around the world and publishing and actually starting to apply for patents around the, the technology of this material. And so around late 2012, which was around, I suppose, yeah, for like five years, five years later, Phil came back around and said, you know, I'm receiving hmm. uh, invitations from companies around the world that want to use my mycelium material in their manufacturing. Hmm. And it's an amazing opportunity. As an individual artist, I I can't partner as well with a multinational corporation. <laughs> Let's start a company to actually bring this material to market. And, you know, I was finishing my PhD, the academic job market, you know, for tenure track English professors sure, was looking sure. kind of hairy. <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, I got a dance company, but uh, who makes yeah, money yeah, from dance? Yeah. Uh, that's great. So I was like, this is an amazing opportunity to really bring something new into mm -hmm. the world. And his works had demonstrated it already. His artworks had already shown it in the world, like that this was real, that this could work. And so uh, we founded the company in 2013. Amazing. And, and sort of the broad idea is that the potential of mycelium is that it can sort of theoretically like replace sort of leather and replace other other ingredients within sort of the textile and fashion industry that is sort of harmful to the environment and kind of really take the industry sort of to a next level from a manufacturing and textile standpoint using this sort of material. Yes. What's remarkable about mycelium is how engineerable and versatile it is as a natural material. So I would say that that's, that's the first thing to point out, which is it is a natural material and it can go basically we know wherever you see soft goods right now. So yes, mm -hmm. like focusing on the comparison to leather, we do consider our, our product, which we're calling fine mycelium and in its finished form reishi as an, as an option for leather. Mm -hmm. And the idea that it will replace leather is, I think, attractive yeah. for some yeah, people according an, to their values. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's really exciting to think about it as an option that aligns with people's evolving values and the evolving needs of um, the industry and the world at large. So absolutely, it's a material that 
can be engineered into rigid, flexible, dense, light forms, any size, shape, um, expression. You can grow it with composites. You can, it's very, very, it's very customizable. So there's huh. that. What are some other use cases? If you want to go outside the fashion world, where are some Sure, other yeah. Well, we'll start there and then and then <laughs> uh, focus back into what our current focus is at MicroWorks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would I would point back to what Phil's artworks back in the 90s had already demonstrated with mycelium materials where you could make rigid panels and blocks and it can behave like a compressed foam or an expanded foam. Mm -hmm. And so Phil's work in the 90s really inspired an entire movement, I would say, like we've seen since then, um, a growing awareness of what mycelium is as a material and also many endeavors and a lot of research into what else mycelium can do as a material. So there's examples of it people developing it for, you know, replacements for styrofoam or replacements mm -hmm. for plastics. Mm -hmm. And so at MycoWorks, what we've developed is a process and technology that we're calling fine mycelium. And that is a process that engineers the mycelium cells as they grow to form proprietary interwoven cellular structures, which enable a material that is inherently strong and durable and flexible and customizable. So hmm. we have created a finished form of fine mycelium called reishi that is our option for fine leather for fashion and luxury. And it's being developed into products that, I mean, anywhere you can imagine where leather goes. Yeah. So footwear, accessories, apparel, and beyond. And it took, I think, a while because reishi just, I think, just sort of released it a little bit to to the public as far as doing partnerships and, and making things out of it. And so it took sort of a while, I guess, R&D wise, right? 2013 to now. What were, I mean, that's a long time. Like what were those eight years like? Was that just R&D developing a product? Like what were those eight years like refining all this and going through product development? And that's a long time to kind of, you know, really stick to something and believe in it. Yeah, it is a long journey to bring a new material, a new biomaterial, and a new uh, manufacturing process into the world. So in 2013, when we founded, I would say the first couple of years, we were actually focused on applications that some of Phil's artworks had demonstrated as being immediately obvious. So those were mm -hmm. more rigid applications of the material, things that you might find in, you know, architectural application or furniture design, panels for buildings. So the idea was potentially a really beneficial, like green building material. Gotcha. And there was certainly a lot of interest in that. Um, we had architects and, and interior designers and developers who were very interested in, in this as materials and alternate to current building materials. It wasn't until 2015 that we started pivoting towards developing the softer form of the material, the flexible form mm -hmm. of the material that could serve as an option for leather. We were connecting with shoe and fashion companies, and they were very excited about the potential for this material to replace um, compressed foams and leather in their mm -hmm. products. And gotcha. this was um, the perfect fit, I would say, in terms of value and performance. So being a biotechnology company founded by artists, we have 
a right. inherently creative and um, aesthetically oriented approach to the products that we're making. We are making beautiful products that we think open up creative possibility, and that's inherent to the practice to where you know from the practice from which the technology emerged. And also, it was a way to offer fashion companies value that they they very much prioritize, which is a high quality material that also has tremendous aesthetic possibilities that fit really took off. It's what they right, product market fits. Like it became very obvious. <laughs> yeah. This is where we should be. So many puns right now. <laughs> I know, I know. That was um, 2015, 2016. And that's really when we started singularly focusing on the products that would become reishi mm -hmm. and in refining our fine mycelium uh, technology. And so the road since then has been one of working very closely with a select list of brand partners who share our values in terms of quality and performance and aesthetic excellence in their products. And it's, it's an incredibly rich collaboration where we are sharing our materials with them. They are testing and prototyping. We are also testing and prototyping on our end. And we share our findings and our brand partners share what their needs are in terms mm -hmm. of the material that they're looking for, the performance they're looking for. And we push our material to meet those um, specifications. And really exciting and rewarding after a several year journey to be able to share publicly our uh, partnership with with Hermes this past March and you know they're developing a an object of a bag that will be part of their fall winter collection this year and using our material and and onwards um there's yeah. so many other partnerships that I am excited about and <laughs> really excited to share when we're allowed to say their names yeah but I guess and the idea in you know, maybe the future, let's say a couple of years or whatever, would be the idea that a company or a brand can sort of just reach out and say, hey, this is what I'm sort of looking for. And then you can sort of customly make things for them as sort of their product market fit is, is needed. Is, is that sort of the, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of different revenue models from different things, but I, I assume that it, you will allow other people to come in and kind of, I guess, apply to be a partner or apply to get the material? Or will it always be sort of this kind of exclusive partnerships? Or do you want to eventually open it up? Oh, absolutely. And um, the partnerships aren't exclusive in the sense that we're, we're not we're we're free to to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to develop partnerships. It's just that actually they are committed relationships um, yeah. in the sense that you know bringing a new technology into the world, uh, a brand has to be have the same values and the commitment to say like okay, I want to be a partner in bringing mm -hmm. in a new technology, and this is not just something where I call up the supplier, right? And it's available, right? It's it's a two way relationship, and that's very exciting for the brands, I think, because because Find Mycelium as a technology offers customization, we can we can grow material to any size, shape, density, uh, surface feature, mm. and beyond um, that they would request. This is very exciting for them in terms of their product development and offering their customers um, immense value in terms of a material that is new, that is natural. Um, that is that has a lower impact than the traditional materials on the market. And they get to have the pride and, in ownership and uh, leadership in, in being pioneers in, in working with us to bring this into the world at scale. Mm -hmm. So scale is an important thing to point out, which is yeah. uh, the yeah. reason that we work with a limited set of customers is because we are committing our, our current inventory to them, to the relationships that we're building with them and 
towards the product launches that we're developing. And we are also building out our production volumes by way of building new facilities. We're here in the Bay Area right now. We have a pilot plant, but we're looking ahead to a full-scale facility in another part of the country and beyond. <laughs> so um, as we scale our production volumes, we are very excited to work with an ever-increasing range of partners who share our values and you know, in performance and quality and are excited about the creative possibilities working with our, our material. I want to talk about scale a little bit, as you mentioned, and again, coming into kind of just totally different world. And I guess you touched on the art part. It does, the parallels do do run in, but, you know, scaling up a, a biotech business, right, is, is a di totally different thing. And, and not a lot of people actually, you know, really get to do it or, or have the background to do it. But what was it like raising money? Right. And, and like talking to people about like, hey, we're trying to do this uh, mushroom based uh, material for, <laughs> you know, like, I guess how was raising money for, I assume it was your first time going out and sort of trying to raise money for something like, so how was that process? And, and was it, was it fun or terrible? And you never want to do it again? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm what they call a lifelong learner and I like to encounter any challenge as an opportunity to learn like more about the world works. And I think the challenge of fundraising is a really great one because you understand how money moves and mm -hmm. why money moves. And in the world that we live in, that is a very important thing to understand. You learn how to communicate value and opportunity and vision. And as someone who is raised in, you know, the tradition of storytelling and narratives, you know, that's, that's such an important thing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you can leverage towards, you know, moving the world in, in any way that you would want, right? It doesn't have to be about just raising money. It's like, do you, what kind of world do you want to build with me, with this technology and opportunity that I'm sharing with you? So yes, in the first couple of years when you know, we were just a couple of artists uh, talking to venture capitalists, um, making the case on the basis of what Phil's artworks had demonstrated and my gifts as a storyteller and the vision that I could see. Um, it was great and it was hard because yeah. um, the business case at the time when we were talking about building materials was tricky. Um, mm -hmm. Those are materials that are widely available on the market and um, at an at an economically viable scale. And we were just yep. starting out and it was it's a small scale process. It's higher cost per unit. So that was tricky. And then, you know, I, I have to absolutely credit Matt Scullin, who is our CEO, who joined mm -hmm. our team a few years into founding, who is a material science entrepreneur, had run a company, you know, 10 years prior and had, had raised, you know, 10, many sure. tens of millions of dollars towards that effort and really saw the opportunity with MicroWorks and the technology and the caliber of customers who were working with us. I mean, I think that's an important thing to point out in terms of the customer partnerships and that validation. So some of the earliest brand partners we were working with are the brands that have set the highest standards for fashion and luxury in the entire industry. And that was because they recognized the level of performance and quality that we had achieved in our material. They wanted to work with us and they, and they also yeah. loved that we were founded by artists so that we brought into the process, you know, creative aesthetic prioritization, which is important in fashion. So that those partnerships actually were very validating and that helped with the fundraising because if you you know you can say like if we're working with this brand if this brand has mm -hmm. has given us their stamp of approval that's 
a, a major thing to communicate in terms of the quality that we can offer. It got easier when Matt joined us. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll just no, say that, great. I think. Uh, and things accelerated after that because we were starting to ink more partnerships with brands. And that demonstrates the viability of the technology, um, at least the first step towards that. And as of a couple years ago, it is not a challenge at all. I mean, we, we closed our Series B in 2020, the year of COVID, which is mm -hmm. a remarkable um, achievement, I would say, like 45 million, I believe, mm -hmm. during a year of great you know, economic uncertainty and, and general uncertainty. Um, because people are excited for this. I mean, the industry is ready for it. I would, I would say that a lot has changed since we founded and certainly since Phil started yeah. working with Mycelium. We see that all the brands coming to us um, are prioritizing, seeking alternative materials that can add value to, to what they offer their customers and more, are more in line with the values of their customers and with changing needs in the industry. I want to go back to a really interesting point you made around you know, hiring a CEO right? Being two founders and kind of making the decision to do that. Was that like outside counsel? Was it VCs saying that we really think you need a CEO or some type of operator to come in and kind of help with certain things? Or was it a decision that you two both made? What was the process like of doing that? And was it a difficult decision to to say, to, to, to do something like that? It, it was not a difficult decision. At the time, I was the It feels CEO. good to probably do <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, it, it feels does, good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. One of the most important things in, in doing a huge endeavor is to absolutely know when you need help and yep. to absolutely reach out and say it. So I think it was obvious, you know, we'd had a couple of years, you know, with some seed funding and pitching to, you know, all the VCs in the Valley. and. Sure you know, weren't really gaining traction. And I think a, an incredible strength is to know your strengths and to also know how to complement them. Great point. And yeah. so, yeah, I was, I just knew that we needed it and it was, and it was hard and we were running out of money. And so I was basically opportunistically having conversations in, in all of my networks about mm -hmm. seeking someone like this. And um, it actually happened by way of a social connection through a friend who met Matt at a Dr. Octagon concert in San hey. Francisco. <laughs> um, oh, man. See, concerts brings people together. They do. No, just, they uh... do. Music, music brings people together. That's, that's a great side note trivia, which is Matt comes from the same social cultural milieu that me and Phil, my co-founder, come from here in the Bay Area. We mm -hmm. share a lot of um, cultural community and so mm -hmm. that's a, there's a lot of resonance with our with our core team with similar values in terms of the way that culture and art and creativity storytelling play a really big role in helping you bring a new thing into the world oh i want to touch on scale real quick again and uh, i'll try to i try to phase this question as well as i can when you look at companies and, and saying that trying to do something transformational, trying to do something different, trying to do something that impacts the world in one way and maybe you don't know how it affects it in another way. But as we talk about scale, you know, say, you know, everything goes right and this is sort of the material that takes over and it's kind of this, you know, global thing and, and the world the sort of industry changes and things change and maybe it branches out into other industries. But will you have to just kind of like take all the mushrooms out the ecosystem, right? Out the ground to make all this material? And then it becomes sort of like 
And now I guess it has the opposite, I guess, effect on what we were trying to do, right? Because then you're, you're taking resources that scale out of Earth's ecosystem. Is that something that you think about? Is that something that is, again, I don't know. These are just questions that is interesting as we talk about scale. It's hard to predict those certain things because sometimes we think about scale and, and just numbers and economics rather than, you know, impact on perhaps the environment or impact on lives or, or whatever it may be, right? It's just kind of an odd way that I, that I like to look at it. I just want to get your, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I totally get what you're asking. And it's a really important question. Is what you're trying to bring into the world going to end up being extractive mm-hmm. right? as opposed to regenerative in the way that many industrial processes Mm -hmm. have been. And I can absolutely say that it will be a beneficial technology in the world if done right. You know, Um, I have been pointing a lot to the business of fashion's sustainability index, which was released Mm. earlier this year, which sets a bunch of benchmarks and targets for the fashion industry for growing into true sustainability and they cite like six major categories of concern. And one is Mm -hmm. transparency. So how transparent you are in your environmental and social impact, Um, your waste, uh, what you do with it, how much you make of it, Um, your carbon uh, greenhouse gas emissions, Mm -hmm. um, your water and chemical use, your workers' rights, and your materials. Mm -hmm. So it's a really comprehensive starting point for actually nuancing what it means to be sustainable because you could have high marks in one area, but if you're doing awful, terrible things in another area, right, you don't actually have the impacts you want to have. So with that as a starting point, I will say that mycelium is one of the most regenerative agents of Mm. bio and ecological transformation on the planet. It's, it plays a key role in the regeneration of ecosystems, of areas that are polluted, of areas that have been burned. They, Mm -hmm. they clear the way. Interesting they break down decaying matter and make biochemicals and bionutrition available to the environment again to grow new life. Hmm. So you may have heard about you know, mycelium being used to clean up oil spills and, and being hmm. effective in areas where there's been like radioactive pollution, basically absorbing that matter from the soil or from the environment and using it to grow its own sort of healthy organism. So it's, it's a great transformer in the environment. So as a material to be out in the world and to be out in the world even more through human intervention, it's, it's a positive force. So as far as scale and impact, mycelium grows on widely available biomass that is really the, the byproduct, the waste product of other industries like uh, lumber mm-hmm. production, agricultural production. Um, you know, we grow it essentially on sawdust and wood chips, and it can grow, be grown on you know, rice bran and, and corn stalks. So um, you can grow it on incredibly cheap material that would otherwise potentially be contributing to carbon mm. gas emissions through burning or other other processes to remove it from the environment. And so it, it works as a powerful carbon sequester for the life of the product. Mm. And so you can also produce mycelium-based materials anywhere in the world where you have this kind of agricultural and lumber-based production. So co-locating your materials production with your food source. And so this is a this is exciting to investors and people in the industry because potentially you have a way of um, really changing the way that supply chains for materials work, introducing your materials, manufacturing 
very close to the source of where you right. are getting your feedstock, but also potentially where you're fabricating your product. So I think that keeping in mind the broad view of what it means to be very sustainable and so holding myself like our own company to those standards, um, everything from workers' rights to the materials to emissions to waste to water, we're in a very, very strong position to offer brands and the industry a material and all the attending processes and practices around it that has a net positive impact. When you first approached right, a company or a potential partner, what were some of those first conversations like? Were, were people already aware of mycelium and, and the applications it, it could have within the fashion industry? Or, or were people just like, again, like you went to investors first, kind of just like, scratching your head and just be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the early years, people had never heard of it. Mm. it. It really was a new concept. We spent a lot of time educating people on what mycelium was, that we weren't just, you know, taking mushrooms and compressing them into right. a material. It was actually the mycelium, which is a totally in, in a way different part of the organism, but that's really changed in the last seven, eight, years now and i would say in part because of the work that we're doing um to lead education and visibility um, around this and also because of the work that we've inspired in terms of like artists designers entrepreneurs scientists around the world who are also interested in what mycelium can do now there's greater awareness about mycelium as as a material well i'd like to end a little bit on the future usually and and i know it's uh it's a bit hectic right now but you really, obviously you and the team are really sort of focused and that I think, you know, what the, the end goal is and sort of the goal for the next, let's say three to five years, but what does success look like for you and what you would like to see from product innovation, bringing on more partners? Like what, what, what would success be for you? Let's say over the next three to five years. Success for me would look like products uh, on the shelves for consumers in the full range of, mm. of where you typically see leather. So I would love to see footwear and yeah. apparel and bags and accessories and potentially getting into like upholstery, potentially, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you, there's a lot of leather and soft goods in cars, for instance. Uh, and yeah, so it's that level of ubiquity where you can see that mycelium, our, our product, Fine Mycelium, has been adopted across a wide range of applications. Mm. And that means that we've achieved the production scale to be able to um, service and, and supply all of those markets. And that also means that we're in a lot of places in the world. Yeah. And, and I think that is where we're headed. And I'm, I'm really excited to be watching it grow from this perspective. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and explaining to, to me and us of how this stuff works and, and what it is and, and what's possible. Uh, I think it's always interesting to, to see what's next and, and what's going to be part of all of our futures. Um, so appreciate you taking the time and appreciate you grinding all these years. It's such a... <laughs> It is so many times I imagine that you were just like, what are we doing? Like, let's, let's just like let's go back to dance school. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it's so compelling. And so, so obviously the world needs it and wants it. And, and mycelium just so clearly is out there and wants to be out there. So kept us going. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and best of luck uh, for the next decade, a couple of decades. To come. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grant.
Thanks, everybody, for listening to the episode. Just want to give a, a quick shout out to the Cause Artist Partners, everyone who has signed up for it. Um, truly appreciate it. I will uh, list the link in below so you can check them out. If you want to become a partner, uh, just go to causeartist.com partners. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye.